Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New year, new workplace you, right? Every year we come back from the holidays and say we're going to be our best selves and we make our workplace resolutions. This week, we're going to talk about how to stick to them. This is Game Plan. Welcome back. I'm Rebecca Greenfield. And I am Sam Grobart. And this week, we're talking about our workplace New Year's resolutions. Because, of course, if it's January. Yeah, we got to be better than last year. Oh, I know. It's going to be hard. Because you were so good last year? I set the bar so <laughs> high. I set goals and I achieved them. Oh, oh, because goals are hard to attain. That's why. Goals are hard to attain. I feel like 2017 is already proving itself to be formidable. Uh, yes, but that has not stopped us from making resolutions that Absolutely. we probably won't keep. But, you know, we'll try for a little while. Yeah, so Sam, do you have a workplace New Year's resolution? Well, I do. I actually have two. Okay. And I think one is more workplace related than the other. I'll start with the workplace one. I have never kept any sort of a to-do list. I have this misbegotten notion that I can just keep it all in my head. Yeah. And as I become older and feebler brained, I think that it would be beneficial for me to keep a to-do list every day and refer to it constantly. So I did a little Googling on to-do lists. Did you now? Yeah. And there's so much competing advice out there. Oy. There's like, don't write the to-do list. You need a to-do list. You're doing your to-do list wrong. One stat I found that said nearly two-thirds of professionals write to-do lists, but only 41% of them do the tasks on them, which that's kind of my MO. Like I write down all the things and then right. just the next day re- rewrite down all the things. I'm always seeking a new piece of technology to make my life better. Yeah thinking that that will be the miracle cure. Yeah, didn't BJ Novak of The Office fame make yes, a to-do list that's app? right. He did. Yeah, he did. I'm not need. using his app. <laughs> what, um, what are you using? I have recently switched over calendar apps. So I was a longtime Apple Calendar user with a sort of Google Calendar backend. I don't mm-hmm. mean to get too in the weeds here, people. But I have switched over to a new calendar app called Fantastical 2, Mm, the um, sequel. The sequel. So many <laughs> unanswered questions yeah. from Fantastical One. And it's four ninety nine. So Oh, I don't pay for apps. No, so I of course the psychology for me is like it's gotta be amazing, right? Oh yeah. Such quality. Yeah. The one thing I do like about it very much, which you think would appear in other calendar apps, is that you are able to view your tasks and your appointments in the same thing. There's no separate app for the one versus the other. And that way when I'm looking at my day. I can sort of see 
everything that's going on, things I have to do, which could happen like sort of in the morning or the afternoon, as well as obviously meetings and phone calls and things like that that are going to happen at a scheduled time. That seems useful because I just make reminders appointments right now. I'll just make them appointments. So it's all in one place. Right. The problem I have with that strategy, which is what I used to do, two things. First of all, you get an alert at a certain time. Yeah, and it's annoying and never the right time. Never the right time. And then you ignore it and it goes away. Yeah, it's bad. And then it's sitting in another app that you're probably not going to go look at. Whereas, of course, your calendar, I mean, my calendar's up on my screen and stuff all the time. I'm constantly looking at my calendar. All right. I'm so busy. I know. I know. We're lucky that you make the time. For this. So that's one thing that I'm trying <laughs> yeah, to do. I'm what's gonna, your other? The other one is more of a health-related one, but I think it ha- has some ramifications in the workplace. I am going to try to drink less. And by drink, I mean alcohol, not fluids in general. Not that I feel like it's ever been a problem. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that. But I'm getting chubby. <laughs> I mean, I've never been super skinny, but like I got on the scale like a week mm-hmm. ago and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, it seems like an easy thing to cut out. Yeah. So I'm saying I am not going to drink from Sunday through Thursday. I will drink on the weekend. Which does seem workplace related because there's a lot of workplace happy hours. Totally. And And drinks with like a person that you might be doing business with or talking to or something like that. Or I had a really long day and I just want a beer after work. Right. So yes, I'm wondering what's going to happen when I have a work-related drinking event. I'm not necessarily saying that I'm not going to drink then. I think like a cocktail is not going to make or break my yeah. my pattern. Although maybe I'll just get a club cl- soda. Yeah, seltzer with lime. You're going to have to be that guy. Be like, oh. like, oh, I actually don't drink on Mondays. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I want to yeah. hear your resolutions. So mine are kind of related to each other. My first one is that I would like to spend less frivolous time on Twitter. Excellent idea. Yeah, we have to use Twitter a lot for our jobs, but I've developed what I think is an unhealthy addiction. Like sometimes my fingers will type TW into the into the browser. Yes. Automatically. And then I'll go there and then yeah. I'll close it and then I'll reopen it literally one second later. It's bad. And then the news comes at me really quickly and it's stressful and the news stresses me out. And I am in the news business and I have to stay informed, but I don't think as much as I am doing now. I am going to say that you are correct. Well, I did download this app, Stay Focused, which lets you set a timer for how long you're allowed to use a website in a given day. But I've already figured out a workaround. (laughs) It's so bad. I'm so addicted. I need help. So that's my first resolution. What's the the number two? The other one is related in that I would like to be better at staying focused on one specific given task. At work, I sometimes will be writing a story and it'll take me twice or three times as long because I get distracted by things like Twitter, but other things, too, that I just can't focus. I'm, I mean, I think many people, most people are probably that way. I'm most certainly that way. Do you yeah. ever find yourself engaging in what I like to call constructive procrastination? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to do my expense report. I mean, I've got to do it eventually, exactly. right? I mean, I, it needs to get done. I just did that today. Just this morning. Yeah. Things like that. So... I think maybe these are lofty goals that are hard to achieve. I have cleaned grout work in my shower (laughs) so as to avoid doing other things. Yeah, my old roommate used to clean the entire apartment when she worked from home. I could always tell when she was working from home because the apartment would be really clean. So yeah, there are various ways to stick to these habits. Just today on Twitter, I saw many links (laughs) tweeted about how to stick to your New Year's resolutions. 
And one way that I came across is this website, Stick. It's spelled S-T-I-C-K-K. Oh, of course. Of course. Right. And it was started by these Yale behavioral economists. And basically, you bet against yourself. So it's pretty extreme. So say you want to stop drinking. You put up something like $100 a week. And if you drink that week, you have to pay the website $100. Whoa! And that $100 goes to an anti-charity. So say you are pro-gun control, they would send the money to the NRA. And they say it really works. <laughs> and you can also That's point hardcore. a referee, so a friend, to keep you honest. Oh, so if your self-reporting is yeah. not reliable. If you're like, I didn't drink. Privileges can be granted to another person yes. who can actually yes. rat you out. Yes. And then that money goes to like the Family Research Council. Yeah. Or, wh- or whatever your anti-charity is. I mean, I'm kind of scared of that. It's scary. It's a cool idea, but it's extreme. Yeah. But since we're not going to do that, we are going to talk to Gretchen Rubin of the Happiness Project fame. And she has another book, Better Than Before, that is all about breaking habits. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm very happy to be talking to you. So we just went through our workplace resolutions, Sam and I, and we want to know how to stick to them. Excellent. Oh, my favorite subject. Excellent. Okay. So I guess we should start with Sam's first Okay, one, sure. Yeah. Maybe. Tell me what I need to do to make these things stick. Okay. One of your resolutions is to drink less, not to give up drinking altogether, but to just God, drink no. less. Right. Yes, but <laughs> just don't less. be crazy. Come on. Right, right, right. But reduce it a bit. Right. And that's a surprisingly common resolution. I think you're really smart to kind of have a bright line rule because what you want to do with resolutions and with habit making generally is to get out of decisions. Because every time you try to make a healthy choice, you have the opportunity to make the wrong choice. So if you're saying there's this block of time where I'm just not going to have a drink, then there's no debate. Right. 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 So you've set that. And then you're planning for when you would. That's right. Yeah. And really looking forward to it. And really looking forward to it. Okay. So, but then the question you, and you were very smart in thinking about, but there are going to be these things that come up. And that's what I would call the strategy of safeguards, which is planning for failure. Right. I mean, if I'm out at work and somebody says, hey, let's get a drink. Yes. I'm not sure what to do. Yeah, you didn't have a plan, really. You didn't have a plan. You knew you needed one. So you need an (laughs) if-then plan. If this happens, then this happens. Now, what are the challenges that arise? Is it a friend asking you out for a drink? Is it a business dinner where everybody is sharing a glass of wine? Like, what is the challenge that you face? I think that for me, the more likely scenario is a social occasion. Yes. Which might have some work-related benefit. So here you go and you sit down somewhere and the person orders a drink and I say, oh, I'm actually trying trying to drink less now, which then feels like maybe I'm judging them, which maybe makes them feel uncomfortable. Also, can I butt in? Having a drink in these situations makes them easier, loosens everybody up. Oh, for sure. Okay. Right. So in my book, Better Than Before, I talk about the 21 strategies of habit change. And these are the 21 strategies that you can use to make or break your habits. And you're kind of rolling your eyes because 21 sounds like a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Um, But it's good because some work for some people and not for others and some in some situations and not for others. And I think what you need, first of all, is clarity. Because what is the purpose of your rule? And so when are you going to invoke it? Because you could have a specific exception for certain kinds of occasions. You could say to yourself, I'm only going to drink on Friday and Saturday nights, except if I'm at a work event where I feel like having one drink would make me feel significantly more comfortable in this situation. And then you're sort of, you have a planned exception. Right. You're going to have one drink because one drink to address the concerns that you're having 
one drink is enough. Or you could just say, I'm going to have a Diet Coke. But it is easier. The more clear a rule is, like no drinks except for Friday and Saturday is clearer than no drinks except Friday and Saturday, except for these exceptions. It's clearer, but maybe you would ultimately fail more because you would come up against these challenges. I think a lot of times when people try to make resolution or keep habits, they set it up in a way that's just not realistic. And then they fail and they feel like I have no self-control. I have no discipline. I can't do anything. Whereas, in fact, maybe you're better off saying, like, given this exception, I can stick to my overall rule better. So you're setting yourself up for success because you're being more realistic about what's true about you and how you feel about how you want your life to unfold. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wait. And can I just say one thing quickly about the giving up drinking? I will just say quickly that for some people, it's easy to give up a temptation altogether than to be moderate. So you're being moderate. You're having it sometimes. I'm just throwing it out there that for some people like me with some temptations, whether it's sugar or Candy Crush on your phone or, you know, whatever it might be, Russell, alcohol, it's easier just to give up something altogether. So if you're having a very hard time indulging sometimes, Try giving something up altogether. It sounds harder, but for many people, it is easier. For me, it's easier to have no sugar than a little bit of sugar. So I just throw that out as, a, sure. as an alternate strategy. Okay, what's yours? So, yeah, I want to try to not be addicted to Twitter. So I'm breaking a bad habit. Okay. So, but you told me that Twitter is something that you do at work. So it's not a temptation at home. Not really. I don't really use it on the weekends or nights. Okay. Do you use it on your phone or on your desktop? My desktop. Okay. So it's always easier to change your circumstances than to change yourself. And one of the most powerful of the 21 strategies is the twin strategies of convenience and inconvenience. We're much more likely to do something if it's convenient, and we're much less likely to do something if it's inconvenient. So delete it from your desktop, Twitter. Delete okay, it from well, your... the problem with that is But that... you can check it on your phone. And also, I, I use, like, the browser. So I'd have to – I can't delete, like, Google Chrome. I go well, to, like, Twitter.com, basically. Okay, well, just don't go to Twitter. Don't, yeah. Can you can you just not go to Twitter.com? I, mean, I, I don't know. I was telling Sam that sometimes my fingers will just type TW and it'll open up. I mean, I it, I know it's not magic. I know. I mean, why it opens up. is there an right. I'm sh- is there like a thing so you could block it on your browser? Yes, I downloaded this app called Stay Focused. Yeah, it gives you a certain amount of time that you can spend on a website. So basically, I need to make the time short. Right now, I think I have three hours a day. So I need oh, to yeah, make no. it shorter. No, you mean like 15 seconds. If you desperately need to check Twitter, you can always look on your phone, but you're just not going to check it on your desktop. All right. 15 seconds. Yeah. Because the thing is, it's always better to set up your circumstances than to try to work on yourself. So just make it really, really inconvenient to do it. Somebody was saying that uh, she always checked Twitter at home. So she said she had to be doing squats while she checked Twitter. And it's like, there's just a limit to how many squats you want to do in a day. <laughs> she had a really yeah. good glutes. Yeah, yeah. But that wouldn't work for you in the workplace. My so limit they, is they, two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Is there a moment when you can decide that you've become healthier and unblock it? Or is that just not allowed? Well, I think it's it's up for everybody to themselves. It sounds like you are feeling very, like looking at Twitter makes you very uneasy and unsettled and distracts you. Yes. Now, it could be that events in the world will change in such a wonderful, happy way that you looking at Twitter will just fill you with peace and contentment and joy. And in which case, it will be great for you to go back to Twitter. <laughs> so when that happy moment arrives, you can go back into your Stay Focused app and change your... And change the time Change limit. your settings. <laughs> okay. All right. That, it seems extreme. 
but I'm going to do it. But the strategy of convenience and the strategy of inconvenience are two strategies that work for just about everyone. If you want to do something, make it easier. If you don't want to do something, make it harder. It's crazy. There's so much hilarious research about, they did a study with people at a salad bar and people took more when they could use spoons instead of tongs. Because just using tongs is that much more work that Hmm. people took less food. We're that susceptible. Wow, I had no idea tongs were so difficult for so many people. <laughs> I know, the obstacle of tongs. But it's, you know, it's just that much more difficult. So, so yeah, Sam, let's go to your Yeah, yeah sure. One. So the second one I have is pretty generic. It just has to do with, you know, to-do lists. Yeah. I'd like to start using them and, and keeping to them. And I was curious to know your thoughts about them. So many, many people find to-do lists helpful. That's the strategy of clarity because it's very clear what you're expecting of yourself. And it's also the strategy of monitoring because one of the great pleasures of to-do lists is getting to check off something that you've done. So you know what you've done and what you haven't done. And also um, it forces clarity because you're deciding what is going to go on the list. My personal view is that every to-do list should begin with one or two things that have either already been accomplished or will take like less than 30 seconds to do so that you just start off by crossing something off your to-do list the minute you write it down. Right. But you haven't made to-do lists in the past. Is there any time in your life when you did keep to-do lists? I mean, I have on occasion. I feel like, okay. you know. Like you're getting ready for a trip or something. Yeah, sure. And even I tried it before a little bit here and there, but I, I think I need to be doing it on a consistent basis. And why do you feel like you haven't been doing it on a consistent basis? Well, I feel like I have an over-reliance on my memory. Yeah. I feel like I can keep it all yeah. in my head and I'll yeah. know what to do. Yeah. And, and what I'm realizing, of course, is that that's no longer, maybe it was never true. At 42, it is certainly not true. Yeah. And it's only going to be less true as I get older. Well, one thing also to keep in mind is just in terms of the efficiency of it is that it frees up your mind. It might be, I think that once you start keeping a to-do list, you'll realize it kind of frees up some bandwidth because all that stuff that's circulating in your mind, trying to help you remember what you need to do and like kind of pinging you throughout the day. Don't forget about this. Don't forget about that. Having the to-do list can really free that. In fact, like if you have racing thoughts in the middle of the night, you know, where you wake up and you, you can't shut off your mind, you can't go back to sleep, writing it down helps because that frees up the brain. It's like, well, we don't have to keep thinking about this because it's been memorialized. You've offloaded it. You've offloaded it. And so you see that there. And um, But so how do you make the habit of having a to-do list? Because it is the kind of thing that you have to do it consistently. So first of all, make it very convenient, like buy yourself an attractive pad that's just the right pad for you. Mm-hmm. Sam uh, is going to get so into that. Yeah. See, oh, yeah. Yeah. Things feel easier when they're more pleasant and more beautiful. So, like, treat this as a serious thing. It's not just some nasty scratch pad that you got from free from a bank or something. Right. So when do you think you would do it? Are you going to do it in the morning? Are you going to do it in the evening? Both? What? How do you visualize yourself using this? I see myself mostly using it in the evening, uh-huh. possibly, but adding things to it as they present themselves. Okay. So you might want to experiment, like, is every day a new to-do list? Are you going to do a notebook where it's running forward? Like, people have different, there's, like, a lot of cool strategies for people that, uh, who, who are really embrace the to-do list. Right. Um, I just keep a simple to-do list, and that sounds like what you're talking about. You might start, like, at the very end of the day and really have a period of your day when you're like, this is the last thing I do before I go home, or this is what mm-hmm. I do. Like, maybe if there's some other thing that you often do right before you leave. You want to piggyback this habit onto that habit. That will help install. So is there something that you typically do at the end of the day? Before I leave the office? Yeah, before you leave um, Not particularly, no. no. I mean, it would be something I think I should probably develop. Okay. Because in and of itself, I usually am like, I'm working and then I'm yeah, not working. And right, I'm right, 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 right. So maybe you want to say like before I pick up my backpack or like right. before I, you know, pull out my ID or whatever it is. 
I'm going to check the to-do list and just really try to make it an official part of your day. Like something, just like checking your email, you have to check your email one more time before you walk out. You have to check your to-do list because it's only as help, you're only going to get out of it what you put into it. And so you want to get into the habit of using it regularly and checking it. Um, And I will say some people really resist to-do lists. Um, I have my four tendencies framework, which divides all of humanity into four tendencies. And there's a tendency called the rebel tendency and they tend to really bridle at to-do lists. So what you can also think of this as a could-do lists. These aren't things that you have to do. They're just sure. things that you could do. Sure. If you feel like it during your day, you could do these things. You could do other things, but you could do these things. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Becca, you have another resolution, yes? Yeah. I do. I want to stay more focused ah. on a given specific task. Okay. So, and what's interrupting you? Twitter. Good. Okay, uh, so that's off. So that's gone. So that's good. You're chatting, um, talking to your coworkers, coworkers or? and friends, in uh, person email, or like on on Slack or something on the internet and in person. Okay, email, other not really important work tasks. So like doing my expense reports or yeah. reading an article ah. or I am usually working on multiple projects at a given time. So right now I have to finish a story I'm writing, but. I will just do other work for the other projects instead. (laughs) Okay. So one of the most dangerous forms of procrastination is working. Um, I'm really good at that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're working and it's not, it's not that you're just like, you know, filling out a crossword puzzle with your feet up on your desk. Um, So you're doing a productive task. You're doing expense reports or whatever, but you're not doing what you really want to be doing and what is your highest priority thing. So one of the things that works for me um, is to say, I'm going to do this task or nothing. I can do this task or I can like stare into space, but I cannot search the internet. I cannot check Twitter. I cannot talk to a friend. I cannot do expense reports. I cannot do research, you know, like as a writer, research is like this wonderful, inexhaustible escape hatch. It's so fun and you never run out of research. No. Um, So it's this task or nothing. So you're deciding like, okay, I'm going to work on this story or I'm just going to stare off into space. And just out of sheer boredom, you will end up working on your task. Another thing is... I find that sometimes it can be helpful if you're working on a task is to move to another place. So you're like, I'm going to take my laptop. I don't know if this works with your work, but could you like go with your laptop to a place away from your desk so nobody's around you to talk to you? You're not at your desktop where you're going to see, you know, all everything that's flowing through and just say, I'm only going to open up this document and I'm going to work within this document and I'm not going to go outside this document or I'm not going to check my phone, you know, for a good solid hour, two hours or whatever is reasonable for you. And and sometimes for me, like just physically moving myself even to a coffee shop that's an hour or there's a little library where I work uh, outside my office. We're just being there. I'm like, OK, I'm only doing this one thing while I'm in this place. Do you think that might? Yeah, help? I think it would work. I would need to just bring my laptop to work, which right. is something I should do. I think Sam does this. When um, I have, Do you do that? Well, two that's things. Good. When I have a lot of writing to do. Yeah. I either don't come into the office. Yeah, that's what a lot. Of, that's <laughs> so, a terrible place to do work. It is. Can I just say, though, as a workplace phenomenon, it's pretty funny that now universally, whatever field people are in, they're like, well, if I really want to get work done, I don't come into the that's office. Right. Yeah, it's, it's now, if I do, that's right. If I do have to be in the office, let's yeah. say there is a meeting I have yeah. to attend, so I'm going to have to be here. Yeah. I will bring my laptop. And then I have found in our building, particularly, there are some very empty floors with like banks of empty desks and countertops. And I will go and find a spot up there and I will set up. And exactly as you described, I will go full screen. Yeah. I will go straight into my Google Doc or my Microsoft Word Doc 
nothing else. Yes. Um, I'll put on some headphones. You, you know. gotta make like a bat cave. You yes. gotta, yeah, yeah. You know, and you just shield yourself off. And also, I think just the occasion of being somewhere else. Yes. This is my special workplace, yes. yeah. not just where I hang out. Yeah. 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 I think that would work. So, because not everyone has our exact same resolutions. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, I mean, I think they're common. Uh, it would be good to know some kind of a general framework for keeping resolutions and habits that oh. other people could use. Well, some of the ones that tend to work the most universally, and as I say, like um, one of the big mistakes that people make with habits and resolutions is to think, well, I should be able to do this. You know, like, well, if this is important to me, I should be able to get up early and do it first thing. Or if this is important to me, I should be able to sit at my desk and do it and ignore Twitter or whatever. There is nothing, there's nothing that you should be able to do. It's only what works for you. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. Just because Steve Jobs did something or your sister-in-law did something doesn't mean that's the right way. There's no magic one-size-fits-all solution. That being said, I will say that a couple things that tend to work for a lot of people, one is monitoring. Monitoring has kind of an uncanny power. And the more we just pay attention to how much we're doing something, we tend to do a better job, whether that's how many networking calls we're making or how many, you know, how much we're spending or what we're eating, how many steps we're taking. Just knowing how much you're doing something tends to push you in the right direction. So any kind of monitoring that you can do. Um, I know there are apps where you can, they, they will tell you at the end of the day, how much time did you spend on Facebook? And sometimes just knowing like, oh my goodness, I had no idea, you know, that alone, just that information. Another one is scheduling. So for most people, um, knowing that something is going to be on the schedule makes it easier to do. So it's not just, I'm going to check my to-do list. It's, I'm going to check my to-do list right before I leave work every single day. Because it's when it's on the schedule. Or like, every day I'm going to uh, update my expenses. When are you going to do that? At 9 a.m. I'm going to do that. Or during my lunch hour, I'm going to do that. Because something that can be done at any time is often done at no time. And the more specifically you can say when something's going to happen, and the more inviolable it can be. So it's like a dentist appointment. It's not an optional thing that you can do if you feel like it. Because a lot of times you probably won't don't feel like it. It's got to be something that you feel like, well, it's on the calendar. I've got to do it. Another thing that really helps people, and this is a sort of a different way to think about it, is what I would call the strategy of foundation. Because when we're trying to keep our resolutions, we're asking something of ourselves. Usually we're, we're doing a deprivation, maybe like drinking less alcohol, or it's an imposition, like it's a new thing, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up Twitter, which is a deprivation, or I'm going to impose... Uh, now I'm going to need to go to this different floor to work on my laptop. That's an imposition. And we do better when we have more self-mastery. And so getting enough sleep, getting a little bit of exercise, making sure that you're not too hungry. These help you keep yourself from getting so frazzled that you can't ask anything of yourself. And weirdly also, clutter. Clutter is something that a lot of people say makes them just feel overwhelmed and tired. So I try to make, this, you have the habit of the to-do list, I try to make a habit of every night kind of cleaning off my workspace because I feel that I feel more energized and more, I have more self-command when I'm not drowning in papers and notes and books that are half open and 10 coffee mugs. And so those kinds of things help you ask more of yourself. I am ready to conquer the world. Yeah. <laughs> Thank and you. Thank you. And you have some other places where people can learn about these things, right? Yes, yes. 
So my, my book, uh, The Happiness Project, and Better Than Before, is specifically all about habits. Um, I, uh, I blog every day at GretchenRubin.com about my adventures in happiness and good habits. I have a podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin. And also, I just launched a family podcast. One is called Radical Candor, which is all about how not to be the boss you hate and uh, how not to hate the boss you have. And another is Side Hustle School for people who are trying to start a side hustle. So those are two podcasts that are kind of in a family with my podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, about concrete ways to make your life better. Great. Can't wait to take a listen. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. So we gave Gretchen our specific resolutions, and she had some... Encouraging words, I would say. She had some ideas for how we could break our habits that I think other people could use for their resolutions. Totally. Like... She really liked how you had a specific resolution with she, rules. Right. Instead right. of saying, I want to lose weight. No. You have to have something more concrete than that. Yeah. What you do. I'm You're good. so smart. You already knew that. But we'll see if it Some if of it us holds. aren't. No, you know, there's absolutely no guarantee. She talked about measuring things. Yeah. And I think that if there is a way, can we find a way, Becca, to quantify your Twitter consumption mm. so that you can see real results right? from your abstinence from that. Well, she mentioned an app to see how long you're spending on websites. So maybe that I'll do work. that. Maybe that I'll do work. that. I mean, I was on vacation last week and didn't check Twitter really at all. And I feel great. Yes. So maybe I'll just feel better. That's right. That's the hope. I think you will. Yeah. My own experience has led me to believe that you will. Thank you. Yeah. That, so she also, with the Twitter thing, if you're trying to break... A bad habit like that, she suggested making it hard. So, for example, I don't really keep snacks around my apartment. Because you'd eat them. Because I would eat them immediately. And it's really embarrassing when I have any guests over because I just, I'm like, I don't have food. Sorry. Oh, Sorry. All right. yeah. Good to um, But yeah, and then making things you want to do easy. Right. If I were to want to start working out, and I am not saying that I am, <laughs> but if I did, I wouldn't say, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to wake up at 4.30 in the morning yeah, no. and go running in January. No. No. I'd go during lunch. Right. Exactly. I was reading another one of these how to keep habits guides and somebody gave the example of, you know, you make your coffee every morning. So pair that habit with some other good habit that you want to start. Like he gave, for example, eating an apple. Wonderful habit. I don't know. I don't do that in the morning, but. Oh, there's good fiber yeah. there. There's, it's, it's, it's nutritious. Anyway, given all of our new knowledge, do you think you'll keep yours? I am pretty optimistic about this. I feel like I'm going to be able to see it through. I'm actually more optimistic about the drinking than I am about the to-do list. Yeah, same for you. Do you I'm... think that once you lose a certain amount of weight, you'll go back to drinking? Perhaps not. Perhaps I'll feel better not drinking as much and I'll want to keep that feeling. I think one thing is for damn sure, whether or not we keep these resolutions there will continue to be an industry dedicated to Mm -hmm. (laughs) helping us understand and keep these resolutions. So many blog posts and books. Every year. Yep. Um, All right. And now it's time for Half Big Takes. Half Big Takes. Okay, Sam, what is your half-formed opinion for this week, the first one of 2017? Becca, I'm coming out of the gates strong. And in this miserable wintry season, I would like to make an endorsement. Galoshes. Oh, man. That you is something I associate with dads. Hold on. Let <laughs> me make my point. If you go to work in the morning and there's tons of snow and sleet and muck on the ground, you are likely to put on a pair of heavy winter boots. 
Correct. But then you get to the office and you may not want to wear those same boots all day long because now you're in a perfectly climate controlled environment and they're big and heavy. Many people will bring an extra pair of shoes. However, that good old fashioned rubber overshoe is exactly what you need. You put it on so that you can traipse through puddles. And when you get to the office, you just pull them off and boom, regular shoes. Dad product. No, genius product. (laughs) I saw yesterday a man walking in the rain in New York City with, I kid you not, plastic bags over his shoes. That's a man who cares about his footwear. (laughs) It's time to have a little comeback for the galosh. All right, coming out strong for the galosh. There we go. Becca, you have something not very well thought out that you would like to share, yes? Yes, actually it's not mine. It's from a friend of mine, Julia. Hello, Julia. Um, She is a fan of the Half-Baked Take and said that her Half-Baked Take is that when she schedules meetings, she really tries her very hardest to cluster them all so they're back to back to back to back. Okay. So her calendar is a nice like clump of meetings because then, you know, you've been there. You have a meeting at one and then another at 2.30 and then you have that wasted time in there. Yeah, there's not really enough time to do yeah. anything important. And it's true. It kind of eats up your whole day. So yeah. how I'm curious, though. Obviously, meetings are determined by lots of different people. So how does she kind of make sure that it all fits into her framework? So I asked her this, and she said that she just asks people to move them around. And if they don't, she'll move around the meetings that she has the most control over with fewer people or where she's leading it. I mean, it doesn't always work out, but she sent me a screenshot of her calendar, and it was very clustered, very clumped. I like that idea. Yeah. I think that's actually a pretty good idea. Yeah. All right. And that has been Half-Baked Takes. Half-Baked Takes. Thank you for listening to Game Plan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at RZ Greenfield. And I am at Sam Grobart. If you have a hack baked take, please tweet it at us and we will feature it on the show. Game Plan is produced by Liz Smith and Magnus Henriksen. The head of Bloomberg Podcasts is Alec McCabe. And if you like the show, please head on over to iTunes to rate and review and subscribe. We read them. I read the new ones that came in at the end of 2016. Thank you. Thank you very much, and talk to you later. Bye. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just a show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.